Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Running Partners with me Paul and me Alison. So uh, for today's topic we're going to revisit ultramarathons. We've talked a little bit about ultramarathons in a previous episode so we're going to do that again but specifically talking about the UTMB race series which is the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc and I did one of the races, uh, the CCC race, earlier this year. So we're going to talk quite a bit about that, both specifically about that race and then like generally about how you, those series of races and and um, how you get into them and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because a few people have asked for that specifically, haven't they? Just to hear sort of a bit more specifically about the UTMB race that you did. Yeah, so we'll cover that today. So just before that, uh, we've had some nice interactions with listeners this week, which has been great. Um, thank you for people who've tagged us in in posts on Instagram and Strava and a few new followers on Strava, which is great. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening to the show and supporting it and continuing to share it with your uh, friends that you run with and across your, your kind of running community. So we really appreciate that and great if you continue to do that. Yeah, and I was talking to Al this week and he gave us some nice feedback. So thanks very much to Al for listening and and giving us feedback. Yeah, and that's great. And keep your suggestions coming for future topics uh, into the the new year, uh, which is really helpful as well. So, so we before we get stuck into today's main topic, shall we talk about our running of the past week? Yeah, and you can also talk about your the running club football oh, match as oh well. Oh yeah, can't big, you? big news coming up. Stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> yeah, so well, we'll just get that's a little teaser for what's to come yeah. in a minute. So, do you want to tell tell us what you've been up to, Alison, in the last week with your running? Yeah, so this week's been a bit I guess unusual again just because of all the Christmas stuff going on and also my friend Jane's birthday so I've been out quite a few nights this week Mm. so it sort of disrupted my running a little bit but um, Monday night was Jane's birthday run drink so we I met them but I got a bit late got there late to the session so I only managed to do about two miles on Monday before we went to the pub so we had a drink in the pub after that then Tuesday, I was going out again um, to the Three Merry Lads for the brass band. I think it's either Stannington Brass Band or Loxley um, playing Christmas tunes. And um, so I did my, instead of going to track, I did my interval session on the pavements like you do. Oh, yeah. So I just picked, I didn't do the session they were doing at track. So I just didn't think it, it would work out very well. So I did... What was the session... I think track. it was three lots of three at track. Three lots of three. Whatever the distance. So oh, I think I for our group, it would have been 500 metres. And I just thought it would be too complicated so for fifth, me to... So nine lots of 500 metres. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, three with a shorter recovery. Yeah. And then a longer recovery, three more, then a long, mm-hmm. and then longer recovery, three yeah. more. But yeah, you, but, but you I, adapted it a bit. Yeah, so I had a look at what the first interval session on my marathon training plan is, and it was five times 800 metres. So mm. obviously I know 800 metres is half a mile, so I was able to just do five half miles. And so how did it go? It was all right, actually. I felt really tired, and I was really sort of procrastinating to get out of the door to do it and my legs felt a bit tired and yeah I just wasn't really feeling it but I was quite surprised when I got out that I felt quite fresh really so I'm going to try and bank that feeling because sometimes when you're in marathon training sometimes you just think you're not going to have a good run and then Mm. it doesn't always pan out like that so I need to just remember that that sometimes you just you know it's nothing to do with kind of how you feeling when you sat on the sofa yeah you can just once you get out your legs yeah might be okay so yeah so yeah so I did that and I did I think around seven minute mile pace average for those half miles so like three three and a half minutes for each of those half miles so that makes sense yeah yeah Yeah, so I averaged out so some were up some were down obviously you know, slower than faster. And people who subscribe to the old kind of Yazo theory, mm. if you've not heard of that, that's yeah. where uh, towards the kind of probably the midpoint of a marathon training block, if you could do 10 times 800, at the, uh, say you did that at three 
30 yes, minutes, yeah. three minutes, 30 seconds. The logic is that that converts then into three and a half hours of a marathon. Yeah. But with, as ever with these things, it, it needs to be set in the context of training. Mm. You couldn't just do that in isolation, do no other running and yeah. expect you to, to deliver a, a marathon time. But if that is a, I don't know if you've, have you ever used that as mm. a as part of your training, as a, I've an not, indicator? Well, I've looked at it because it it's one of the sessions, I think, yeah. in, Ten times the training plans that I've used. Well, it's building up the eight hundred meters. Five, six, and upwards. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when you get near to like the end of your marathon training, it's up there. I have looked at it before, and it has equated to the time mm. that I've got roughly, you know, within a minute or two. So I'll be interesting, yeah. and I guess as we go through next year, we can talk weekly can't we mm. specifically about the times from the marathon training so yeah. we could, this we'll we'll can like use that as a bit yeah. of a like is that indicating where yeah. you are in terms of your training yeah oh, good stuff yeah so then uh what did i do wednesday been really windy and i really yeah. wasn't feeling it but i did go out for and i managed to do four miles easy but it was just really blustery it wasn't much fun but i did it and then thursday I had a day off and then this morning i've done eight miles but again it's been really windy it was just I was hoping to kind of maybe throw in a bit of speed work tempo or something but I just couldn't it was just too windy too so windy. and then mm. we're going out later on mm. to do to some hills. hills spring yeah. bell spirals yeah um, she's kind of running hills, around in yeah. circles basically up and down hills so yeah so yeah, that should be so, fun and then a festive drink at the end of it yeah so and then nice. yeah a couple of runs at the weekend and then It'll be Christmas Day. Awesome. Great. Oh, so, well. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, so me, I, I've had an interesting week. So uh, an easy run Monday. It uh, was about eight miles. First thing Monday morning, which was nice. And then Tuesday, I was going to do an interval session on the road. It's quite a hard interval session. And I was all ready to go for it and got did my kind of warm-up run. And then I realised kind of my watch was on like 1% battery. So my first interval was an eight-minute sprint. But about two minutes into it, my watch went off, completely went off. And then I was like, oh, you know, should I be worried about, do I need a watch to do intervals? And I was thinking, well, it's quite handy to know your <laughs> pace. But I was thinking, can I just run it off effort and feel... And I toyed with it, and then I had my phone. I thought, oh, can I use my phone to, like, record manually into Strava? It gives you, a, you know, the equivalent of a, of a, a GPS watch. But in the end, I thought, oh, I don't want to keep having to look at my phone to know have I done my eight minutes and then I've got my recovery and all that. So I, ab- I, abandoned, the, I abandoned the interval session on Tuesday and just turned it into an easy run. So I'd kind of done my warm-up, ran around, ran back. It was kind of another hour. It's about another seven and a half miles. And then, so then I decided to do the interval session on Wednesday and the wind was, like, horrendous. And so the interval session was a warm-up and then it was... Uh, one times eight minutes, four times four minutes, and eight times two minutes. So a total of 40 minutes of fast running with two-minute recoveries. So ordinarily, I'd be trying to do those intervals around about six-minute mile pace. That's what I'd be aiming for, with the shorter ones a bit quicker, the longer ones a bit slower. But I was kind of away off that. It was more of 6.20, 6.30 pace, and that was the wind. And I found that I was running kind of almost two minutes per mile pace different depending on whether the interval was into the wind or the wind was on my back so so anyway I, I just put it down to it's all about putting the effort in don't get too stressed about the time thought I was like it was a really hard hard session up and down some hills in and in, with some wind into the wind and wind behind me so I kind of enjoyed it I felt the benefit from it and then uh, another easy run yesterday with my friend Mark and he very kindly bought me a drink at the end of it it, it was it was tw- half past 12 at lunchtime he said do you fancy a pint I think he'd finished work uh, I didn't have much on so yeah we went for a drink which was really nice and um, just a way to kind of feel like I'm getting to the holiday mode yeah very yeah. nice so yeah it's been a good week and then uh, yeah I might do a little bit more over the weekend depending on how things pan out yeah brilliant yeah so as Paul was saying we're going to talk about the UTMB the Ultra Tour of Mont Blanc um, or Ultra Trail of Mont Blanc. Yeah. I think the tour is the walk, the walk isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I think that's been quite long-standing in it. The the tour of Mont Blanc. Yeah. People go walking and stuff. But the actual race was started only in 2003. Yeah. So you took part in it. 
this year. So it was the 20th one. So yeah. your T-shirt, the 20 20th, 20 year yeah. edition of it. So we're just going to talk a bit about how you got into it, how you qualify for it. Yeah. I think some people that some listeners have been interested in about the race, but also how you qualify and, you know, where it is, that sort yeah. of thing. And it's probably worth making it clear, isn't it, that the UTMB is a series of races. So if you type UTMB into Google, it'll bring up a website and there's races all around the world that fit as part of the series. The race we're talking about, the the, the actual UTMB race, that's a 100-mile trail race around Mont Blanc. And, but then there's other races as part of the race series over the course of that week. Um, and I did the one that was called the CCC race, which was a bit shorter, which was 100 kilometres. Yeah, so it's the CCC, it stands for... Chamonix, Champelat, yeah. and... Cormier. Oh, it's Cormier first. Cormier. It starts in Cormier in yeah, Italy, yeah. goes to Champelat in Switzerland and finishes yeah. in Chamonix. Yeah. If you do the full UTMB race, that actually starts in Chamonix, runs to Cormier, and then, then loops back on. to Chamonix. So yeah. you, you're doing that extra 38 miles, 40 right, miles, or something yeah. like that. Whereas the one I did was just, just the 60 miles. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah up the around the Alps yeah and, around the yeah, Alps yeah. yeah so we can talk about that in a bit well yeah so I just mentioned about qualifying for it because obviously when it started in 2003 we were just looking at some of the stats around it I think it was just basically started by a family wasn't it yeah that, that kind of lived near the area and they the enjoyed trail. running yeah. and, and that sort of thing and they started it and 67 people finished that year out of how many actually did entered the race I think I think it was about 800 I heard I think 700 actually towed the start line 700 and something but 67 people finished so that gives you a flavor of it's like a difficult race yeah and the, the weather's unpredictable isn't it yeah I think. I, was the bad weather, really bad bad weather bad that weather, year think, yeah. as well there so might even have been though snow it's running summer season so aug- end of august yeah there's there still, is snow there was there snow is, on the ground yeah, when we were there yeah, there's snow up there yeah. and the weather can be bad and cause it make it really difficult for people to run it yeah so that was the longest race the 100 mile race that we're talking about there so this year there were 1800 finishers out of 2700 people that started yeah um in the UTMB and it's it's become regarded as almost like the kind of cup final, if you like, of trail racing, mm. isn't it? So is that? And I yeah. think it actually in the kind of World Series. So for the elite people who are doing trail races, it's a bit of a pinnacle race, and the points all tally up to the yeah. kind of World Series championship. So it's yeah, yeah. I think other than there's a few races in America isn't there in the yeah. US like the Western States 100 yeah. I think that's like an older One race of the bigger ones, and yeah. there's a couple more and there's Bad things that have water yeah the, yeah there's a few more but this is kind of well-renowned, isn't yeah, it, amongst people yeah. who do trail races, that this is one of the ones that people would... It's a bit like doing the probably like the London Marathon, isn't it? The road racing yeah. equivalent of, you know, you you enjoy doing trail races, so you look to that, oh, that's kind of one that you mm. want to tick off on your list. of. Yeah. Uh, and like the London Marathon, it's not easy to Yeah, get it's into. not easy to get in. And you actually got a place before they changed some of the criteria, yeah. and it's a bit... I think it's a bit more difficult now, isn't yeah. it? So... So um, I qualified yeah. in 2020 and then you just had to do races that were a kind of similar distance to the target race. So I'd done a couple of 40, 40 and 50 mile ultras in the UK that carried points and you totted the points up. And if you had enough points that qualified you to do it, uh, go into the ballot. Um, so those 40 and 50 mile races qualified me enough points to enter the ballot for the ccc race 100k or 60-ish miles and i think the ballot was oversubscribed something like two or three to one so a bit over nothing crazy so but uh less chance of getting in than you got you know there's more people it was oversubscribed but the um, it was a pretty straightforward process you put your rate your qualifying races in applied and waited a few months and then i was successful and that was in january 2020 I found out but then the race never happened that year because of 
COVID. Um, So people who qualified that year then had three years, uh, were able to defer their entry up to three years and and I ended up doing it this year which is the final year that I could have done it but yeah like you said the process has now changed so it's a bit more complicated which I, I find a bit again you need some sort of like maths degree <laughs> so to I, work shall out I try and explain it yeah, a little bit yeah. so so you still need um, what's called a UTMB index and you get those through doing those those equivalent long trail races and if you can well, any of them not the about, UTMB ones no so any race that's on the list there's about oh. 200 if you live in the UK there's about 200 different races you can get okay. points from and you can find that list of races and they're all over the country and, uh, and around the world there's, it's similar so there's lots of races and doing one of those will give you an index and that index is just to show that you've done a you've done a trail race that um, the distance is equivalent and that kind of shows that you're capable of doing the one you want to enter whether it's the 100 mile race the 100k race or there's a couple of others that are shorter distances as well that's one part of it and that index is valid for two years so once you've done that race you'll have that index for two years the other part of it is you need a running stone Mm. (laughs) so this is not a physical thing so the running stone can only be collected by doing one of the utmb series races and there's 41 of those around the world Again, if you're living in the... And you can look online and find out where they are. If you're living in the UK, there's only one of those races in the UK. Yeah. And that's the uh, Ultra Trail Snowdonia, which do... Then that race festival does races from kind of marathon distance up to 100 miles. And again, the more... The further distance you do, the more stones you get. So if you're doing, I think, the 100-mile one, you get four or five stones, and it might be three for the 100K Mm -hmm. and, and downwards. But the key thing about the stones is the more stones, each stone counts as an entry in the ballot. Okay. So if you've only got one stone, you've got one entry in the ballot. If you've got five, you'll get five right, ballots, okay. uh, entries so in the ballot. So you can do like or the marathon and, so on. and just, you, you'd still get a stone? You would. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so, not... so yeah. So it, but what it's designed to do, and the stones, you have them indefinitely. Oh. So if you what they what this is encouraging, I guess, is to do as many of the UTMB series races mm. around the world as you can and do the longer distances. Therefore, you collect more stones, five, 10, 15 stones. Let's say if you do yeah. three or four of the races around the world, mm-hmm. therefore, your chances of then getting into one of the UTMB races at the main festival in Chamonix is going to really increase. And all of this clearly is not free of charge. No. So the races aren't, let's be honest, they're not the cheapest set no. of races to enter. You're talking probably like a couple of hundred quid, something like that. What, for the Snowdonia yeah, race? Yeah, depending right. on the distance. The price seems to go up the longer you've, the further you want to run. I don't know. The, yeah, I, guess I wonder the, what's whether What's the logic it, of that? Well, I know for part of what you had to pay for, you had to pay for... Uh, to be airlifted mm, off the insurance yeah, to be airlifted off the mountain. Yeah. So Thankfully I guess it's I didn't need that. things like that add add up. I mean, how much do you think you it was? I know you you lost some money because the oh, first yeah. time around you got a bit of a re. You didn't a get a re, you didn't get a refund, did you? No, when it was it cancelled. Was when it was cancelled, so I probably spent a few hundred pounds getting to the start line. Oh, you yeah. also for races in. France, I'm not sure if this is the same in other countries, you also need a doctor's, a signed doctor's yeah, certificate. Yeah, and that's for any distance, yeah, even and, like 5k. And usually that won't be a service that'll be free of charge from your GP, you will probably no. have to pay for that. Uh, like There's the insurance, like you say, as well as the race entry. So it can mount up to a few hundred pounds, but it's... And that's before was, you even try and get there. Yeah, or buy any of the... We'll talk about the equipment in yeah. a bit. So, But for me, I guess it was something that I was treating as a bit of a like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. So we integrated into a, a holiday as another well. Another holiday. Yeah, another running-based holiday, which uh, which was which was nice. Mm. Um, so so all everything I've described in terms of the process of entry is visible on the UTMB website, so you can find out all about it and all the races you can do to qualify. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose we should just mention that it, it has become a bit controversial, hasn't it, this UTMB yeah. You know, the changing, the, yeah, the how entry they, process, yeah. yeah, and sort of because I guess when you when you got your points or whatever it Could was, do any before, races, yeah. you got them from the Hardmores yeah. race series, Pump Panther, and, and Hardmores, yeah. I guess 
it just seems a shame that you, yeah. it's kind of monopolised by UTMB races. But Yeah, I guess uh, they want you to enter their races to mm. qualify for their big race. Yeah. You know. Okay, so should we get into a bit more detail around the race yeah. itself? Yeah, do you want to say a bit about where it actually is? Yeah, so all the, ra- the races, the race base for the UTMB series at end of August into the first week of September in Chamonix in France, which is in, in the French Alps, a ski resort in winter and a kind of sports resort, I guess you'd describe it as in summer. So it's got a running track and you know, sports facilities and people go there, go hiking, biking, running. So like an incredible place and a really beautiful place to visit and stay. I think I'd been many, many years ago skiing, but I couldn't really remember it. And actually, it's totally different in the summer to the winter. And the races either start there or for the race like I did, which finished there but started in Cormier in Italy... From there, you got a bus, and they bust you to the start line. So yeah, that whole race yeah, it's quite was on there. the on the border, isn't it? Of yeah, you know, yeah. Switzerland and Italy. And Italy, yeah. And so, great place. Um, we were fortunate enough to find somewhere to stay there. A kind of uh, just a, a small um, apartment, and it was right in the centre of town, wasn't it? So we didn't yeah. need the car or anything like that. Dead easy. It had a yeah. car park, although it was the world's sort of smallest car park. <laughs> yeah, um, and. I, it was clear on the way into the car park, loads of people had crashed the car into the yeah, side the, of the wall. Yeah. But we, I think we, yeah, I we managed, managed to it. avoid that. Yeah. Thankfully, didn't really need to move it for a week. So that was good. Yeah, there's lots to do, to do there, loads isn't there? To do. And for kids. and Yeah, they've got yeah. kind of a theme park with this kind of crazy... <laughs> well, theme park's a bit... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Leisure, <laughs> leisure park. Leisure, with this sort know. of toboggan... A luge, luge uh, on a, on a, a rail. car on a rail that yeah, goes down that. really fast. A brilliant, fantastic, yeah. fun, a little water ride in there. Mm. A few other things. and a really yeah. nice swimming pool, open air swimming pool. Open air swimming pool, basketball courts, football yeah. pitches, yeah. loads of Running track. Running yeah, track. That you can just use. Yeah, yeah, just go on it and uh, as you please. So, a uh, wonderful place and really nice places to eat and drink as well. There was quite a few kind of YouTube videos and Run for Adventure. Yeah, Lloyd Purvis. Yeah, he'd done yeah. a brilliant video of places to eat and yeah. so like we followed some of his advice, didn't we, and guides of places to have a, get some food and drink, which was brilliant. It attracts quite a lot of people, obviously, the UTMB yeah. each year. And, like, Both running, runners and people who go to watch it. Yeah, and running YouTubers and stuff. Yeah. And as we said, there was Lloyd Purvis. From ben Parks ben was there, Parks, Sarah, Sarah Place. There yeah, quite, they were doing the race. There was yeah. others who were kind of not doing the race, but there to watch. And, yeah. um, so, so a real, like... It, equivalent, it is equivalent to kind of one of the big road races, I yeah. would say, isn't it? But it, But... A bit of a longer feel because the the races take place over several days, don't they? Yeah. In different races, so the race village is there for a week, and the race village is great, isn't it? Like mm. loads of freebies give, being given away, t-shirts, oh, yeah. socks, and stuff like that. So um, there's so a spinner. There's a spinner, so the kids think the spinner's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. come away with your free water bottles and all that sort of stuff. So, so we were there kind of about five days before the race mm-hmm. I was doing with plenty of time to kind of have a bit of a nice holiday and we yeah. went uh, cable car didn't we and did all that sort of stuff so yeah. yeah yeah lovely place highly recommended okay so we've done our bit for the Chamonix <laughs> tourist <laughs> board you started on Friday, Friday morning, morning. Yeah. yeah quite early so the race starts in Cormier in Italy which is about it's not far it's about a uh, sort of 30 minute drive you go through a tunnel which goes the Mont Blanc tunnel so straight through the the base of the Mont Blanc mountain and you start you leave you in France and you kind of go through the other side you're in Italy and then it's only a few miles to to call my ear so I had to be up quite early didn't I to mm-hmm. get ready for that I was up at like six in the morning I think my coach was at about seven because the race was starting at nine I'd done all my equipment check the night before it's probably worth talking a little bit about equipment so they're super super strict on equipment for these races and I think partly that's because they're um, it's high profile race series so they you know runner safety is at the key there's a lot of people doing it you know you're talking in the thousands of people and also it's fully self-supported oh well mm. you can have people meet you at a few of the checkpoints but on the whole you're going to be self-supported because even meeting people at the checkpoint is an effort to get to those isn't it mm-hmm. so so you've got to carry like loads of stuff you've got to have full change of clothes 
um, all your waterproofs as well, head-to-toe waterproofs, two head torches with spare batteries. You've got to have at least 800 calories of food, I think, a litre of fluid. When I had this backpack on, it felt like I was kind of in, you know, in the military or something like that. It was kind of the heaviest mm. thing I've ever worn for a race. Poles as well. If you use poles, pretty much everyone did. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like full on with equipment um, and I'd been stressing about it and getting all organised yeah. like the day before. And packing and repacking. Packing and, and repacking. Yeah. And when you went to collect your bib, you could have your kit checked if you were worried about did your stuff. Because it, it's not only about the equipment, but the equipment, most of it had like guidelines. So like a, oh, a, yeah. a warm layer had to weigh a certain amount, mm. a waterproof jacket had to meet these certain regulations mm. and all this sort of stuff. Um, and obviously the last thing, it'd be like a disaster to be like disqualified because you weren't carrying like, you know, a geo bar or something like that. <laughs> um, what I kind of realised quite quickly, people were coming like from all around the world, yeah. you know, from the UK to France, kind of not that big a journey, yeah. is it? You know, felt manageable. But there was people from like Australia and South America, everywhere had mm. come to do the race. And you start meeting people, so that was nice. Yeah. And you also, you did an interview, didn't you, with Radio oh, yeah. Sheffield? Yeah. You were, our, our middle son, Felix, has got epilepsy yeah. and you were raising money for... Um, young epilepsy so you did an interview right. didn't you on the radio yeah, at the start line you and Felix were on one phone in France, Chamonix in, yeah. the, in the apartment at sort of half eight in the morning mm. and I was at the start line in Cormier yeah. and we were both talking to the same radio Sheffield yeah presenter. BBC Radio Sheffield yeah. Was, yeah and yeah so and and loads of people have kindly sponsored me and and which was fantastic yeah and uh, and so yeah we're raising money for young epilepsy and it was just a way to try and promote that yeah, yeah so, so I don't know where that made it probably made it less stressful I was more stressed about the radio interview and it sort of put my mind <laughs> off the uh, you know the race actually yeah well, so then you set off. Did that, all got to the start line, and it was a kind of start line, as you'd imagine it is in any kind of big race, lots of excitement, music playing, yeah. a loud announcer, and everyone buzzing and excited. And yeah, then set off, and I kind of knew a bit about the first five to ten miles of the course. A friend I'd met, Matt, I'd met him a few weeks before in Sheffield, and he'd done the race the previous year so yeah. he gave me a kind of a bit of a stage by stage breakdown which was helpful to me because you can look at the maps and the routes but they don't always give you the full picture of what it's really like and he mm. said quite early on once you've gone through the town of Cormier and you get onto the trail uh, it gets into a single track and goes up steeply and basically saying like once you're in that kind of line of people going up you're going to be in it for a few miles because yeah. you know unless you you've got a photo of that maybe you should put it on yeah, your Instagram yeah, so do, people yeah. can see the line you see what it's like and uh, the, although people did overtake but they kind of got like booed in a pantomime <laughs> sort of way which was quite funny because to overtake someone you had to kind of cut a corner if you imagine a trail that snakes back and zigzag. forth up and zigzag yeah. up and up and down a mountain the only way you could really overtake people was if you scrambled up the sort right. of bank mm. and cut a bit of the trail off. So there was a lot of booing of the people who were doing <laughs> that. Um, and that, and it was at that first within, so you start going up that climb within the first few miles. And I quickly like realised that like this was like different to anything I'd done before. You know, it, we'd, we've been to the Lake District once or twice and walked up a few steep pills. And it, it suddenly, it was like, reminded me of that, but steeper and further. Yeah. And, I, and then I suddenly think, you know, like this is going to be like, probably harder than I really expected. Were you thinking, this is the Alps? <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, I was. And I suppose I was thinking, like, I wasn't too daunted, but I was thinking, oh, maybe I've, like, underestimated this a bit. And I started mm. thinking, I've not, tra- I've not trained enough. I've not done enough hill running. Mm. But, like, it's you know, then, that's like, it? yeah, that's like starting, you know, going in the first few miles of a marathon and thinking, oh, I wish I'd have done some long runs. You know, yeah. it's, too, it's too late, you know, you're doing it. And then I started using the poles and it was like, I've, so I've had poles, I've had these poles for like three years. I bought Waiting. them for this race, never used them and like never practiced with them. Except so even like I was like a sort of like a comedy figure trying to sort of connect them all together mm. and un- unfurl them and then. Um, get them out of my bag and all this sort of stuff and then I didn't even really know how to use them so I was sort of watching other people's styles mm. of some people had the sort of double pole actions a two, oh, forward, yeah. two forward a bit like your 
skiing, yeah. I suppose. Mm. Others were kind of doing it in time with the the, the, the walking motion. It's yeah. meant to be the opposite. But I could only, I kept doing it. And within like about 10 seconds, I'd be doing yeah. the same. Yeah. So my right arm with my right leg and left arm. Mm. And I kept on thinking, no, that's not right. But it, I guess, and that kind of took my mind off it. And actually up that first climb, by the time I got to the top of it, I got a good mm. rhythm and I found the poles were actually helping my legs. That's the whole mm. idea, isn't it? And did you ever put them away? Because that was a big well, thing of practising, putting them back well, in the that, little... So I got a... The, what's it called? A, a, a quiver, quiver. A quiver, a pole quiver. Imagine like, like Robin Hood <laughs> with his arrows. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. So you put the poles in the back. But I, I don't know whether my... You know, I'm too small. My arms are too short. I couldn't quite seem to do it. So in the end, well, I think lots of people have problems. Well, it, with yeah, it. it seems like it was difficult. So I also had a, a loop on a belt that I was wearing that I could put them in. So I started putting them in that because yeah. it was easier. But then, to be honest, as the race went on, I just kind of held them all the time. Either yeah, open, I was either using them or they fold into three, and they're about probably about. 30 um, centimetres yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah probably about a foot in length and I could just hold them in my hand and mm-hmm. they would kind of provide a bit of a a nice sort of balance really so it's yeah. a bit of redistribution of weight because mm-hmm. if everything's on your back all the time yeah. shoulders get sore so yeah so that first climb was a real eye-opener it's like right this is like this is going to be hard it's difficult yeah yeah um but I was like mentally good I was yeah. like enjoying it I took mm-hmm. some pictures and it was quite nice that this like signal was really good for your phone so yeah. I was sending pictures <laughs> to you and to people like oh this yeah. is great you know look at me Ooh, I'm having a great time and yeah because we were like when we were we we're in Chamonix we could see there was snow on the tops of the mm. mountains and there had been the week before we got there there'd been quite a lot of snow yeah it's like in the middle of august it's a bit weird you know hard to get your head around it but obviously it's in the alps and jesse our little one he was he wanted you to make a snowman mm. didn't he so you did do didn't you i did and i <laughs> was like i didn't believe really that we would see snow but once we got up it's probably the second climb mm. that was probably going up somewhere in the region of probably 8,000 feet, seven and a half, eight thousand feet. There was snow on the ground, so I mm. made him a little yeah, snowman, a, a small one, one and yeah, placed it on the bank and yeah. got sent a picture of it. So he, that kept him happy. And um, so I was really enjoying the race, particularly in the daylight, talking to a few people. The downhills were nice. They were kind of quite runnable trails, I suppose. Mm. So quite, you know, you were, you were t- doing a lot of descent, but over a few miles. So you were able to run it. It wasn't sort of steep climbs down. And like, uh, it was good headspace because you're feeling great. So you've been training and like, you know, again, a, a kind of road equivalent. It's like the first half of a marathon. You feel absolutely great. I mean, I've heard of lots of people who've done their half marathon PBs mm. in the first half of a marathon because the feeling like so strong. Yeah. So this was the same for me, really. Fueling was good. So I'd, I'd only got mainly Kendall mint cakes. <laughs> I like it, it's nice. And uh, so I was having that, and that's mm. like super, super calorific. And then at the aid stations, I was mainly having like bits of cake or a mm. bit of cheese. Bread. And how long was it till the first aid station from the start? Yeah, so I think it was about a couple of hours. Mm. They were typically about every two hours, which was the pace I was going at was every like seven or eight miles or something right. like that. And I think yeah. it was maybe seven aid stations throughout. There was other points that just had water if you wanted to stock up on water. Mm-hmm. Um, but the aid stations where there was food, yeah, something like every couple of hours. So plenty. So although you, you did have to carry your own food and demonstrate you got some calories to keep you going, there was plenty of opportunity both to eat and also you could stock up easily so you could take a gel if you wanted one at the aid mm-hmm. station. So I was just surviving in the first half just on my Kendall mint cake and sort of cakes mainly from the from the aid stations although I wasn't sort of targeting the time I just wanted to do the race enjoy it as best I could I kind of had 20 hours ish in my head and partly that was so I did have a bit of a target but I wasn't fixated on it and partly it was so I could sort of say to you guys oh if you want to come to the finish what time in the morning it would be so mm. we knew it would be you know I'd started at it was like half nine in the morning was my wave um, so I was thinking you need to time you might need to be at the finish it might be like anything from five in the morning onwards so, so through the first half of the race which was pretty much all in the in the daylight uh, I'd done that in like under 10 hours I think it was like nine hours I remember looking at my watch it was like nine hours 40 I reached mm. the halfway mark which was uh, 30-ish miles so I was like oh great yeah I'm, I'm well on track this is going well mm. 
And then what happened? <laughs> yeah, so then got to Champelat, which was just after the halfway point, I think, and it started to get dark. So mm. out came the head torch, got a bit cold as well. So in the day, although when you were up high, I would say the temperature was a bit chilly because it was like it'd been, you know, been snowing a bit yeah. and you're in the kind of cold mountain air. But it was super sunny, wasn't it? It was mm. like the nicest day we were probably yeah, it was really hot. in France. So I was, I was kind of fine in a T-shirt because although uh, the air was chilly, you were working hard on the uphills, walking up, and then you were getting your pace up on the down. Um, but when the sun went down, it did get cold at night, so I put the extra layer of my jacket on, head torch came on, and then it the atmosphere changed a bit. People were probably a bit less chatty, yeah. a bit more like zoned in on what they were doing. And what I didn't really realise, I'd looked at the course, but the hills in the second half were far kind of steeper, I would right. say, and more... Uh, the terrain was more difficult. So in the first half, there were steep climbs, but the trails were pretty soft. So not rocky, not trees, not yeah. not wooded. They were just open trails. Uh, so kind of sandy type paths. You could walk yeah. up quite easily. In the second half, it was more through wooded areas of so tree roots, lots of rocks. Yeah, more uh, technical c- as More technical, say. yeah. And you can't, obviously you can't see, you can't really see mm. more than a couple of metres ahead of you. All you could see was the, as you were going up these climbs, was like dots of head torches that were just zigzagging up as far as you could see. And that was mentally tough because you kind of like when you're going up a climb part of your for me part of my motivation is like I'm getting to the top yeah and whereas this you just couldn't couldn't see the top Mm. um and I also started to feel sick so my advice to anyone is don't have four Kendall Min cake bars (laughs) topped up with a load of cake Mm -hmm. because then suddenly I realized after like having this for 10-12 hours I just my stomach was like just couldn't and then I couldn't really even have anything except some water couldn't eat anything and I was kind of worried actually because I was thinking god if I start being sick and then I can't take more food in I'm gonna Mm. run out of energy here was because it's kind of renowned really the UTMB races for the supporters isn't it it's a bit like I guess I suppose the only thing I else I can think of is like the Tour de France yeah. where people it, from the villages they're yeah. really into it aren't they yeah. and they're like kind of there's some like you know parties going on in yeah. the night it was all that brilliant yeah and that was and it and it but it was definitely in the villages so there was chunks where it was just you and your fellow runners yeah but every probably every hour or two you would come to a village and they'd all be ringing the the kind of cowbells and and there'd be food available often. So not only the aid stations, like local people would Mm. put food out and drink as well, which was fantastic. So yeah, that, and that is a real like boost to anyone doing any sort of race, isn't it? Yeah. So did that help kind of with the, you know, getting through the sickness bit, the bit of a low It did, yeah, it did, definitely. Because this is kind of, I mean, in a marathon you talk about hitting the wall and really that is about really fueling, isn't it? And like where you're training and whether you've gone off too fast and all that sort of thing. It's more of a, it's a physiological thing that then gets in your head. So is it like what happens when you kind of hit the wall in something like that and you've got like 30 miles to go or, or 20 miles to go or whatever? Yeah, so yeah, that's probably, a, that is a good question. So it's probably about 20 miles to go when I was, so probably 40 miles in. First half had gone great, mm. then started to feel a bit sick. It got dark, I got a bit mm. cold. The the mood changed, you don't talk to as many people. Just like you're saying, you still know you've got 20 miles to go. And I, and I was thinking that's probably another at least six hours on, on six, seven hours of, of, of running or walking. So I, I guess what I've, what works for me is because I've done a few long races. I know now I've learned that those dips are sort of will go. Yeah. So you've almost just got to like ride it out, remind yourself of what's your goal. So my goal quickly changed from I got this twenty hours in my head, but I like forgot that and thought like, it's just getting to the finish. Yeah, you know, within the uh, cutoff time, which I think was. It's like 27 hours, 26 and a half hours. So I knew I was kind of well inside that. So it was just trying to ride it out and then also start to think about, right, what food or drink can I have that will give me a bit of energy that won't make me feel sick? So at the next aid station, I like thought I'll try some soup with a bit of spaghetti mm. in it. And that like went down really well. It was warm, it was salty, kind of like made me feel 
give me some energy and kind of change my mindset. And also I took a rest at the aid station. So in the first half, I'd just been basically almost like walking through the aid station, scooping up some bits of food and carrying on. And like I thought like, that's I'd need to change that strategy now because mm. if I do that, I'm going to suffer. Yeah. So I like took time, sat down, took my bag off, sat mm. for 15, 20 minutes, made sure I like took in some calories, mm. like rested and, and tried not to see that as... A, a delay I tried to see that as like this is helping me get to the finish it's not mm. something that's going to slow me down it's a it's going to benefit me mm. um and also I text you a few times which yeah. is nice that that is a it's kind of a emotional support to know that you're you know I was only kind of 20 10 15 10 miles away from seeing yeah. you guys at the finish and I know you were in touch with me and so that was like really helpful to be able to do that because Although, as unlike other kind of trail races, there's a big field. So many trail races in the UK, you end up running just on your own for ages because there might only be a couple of hundred people doing the race. Although it was a big field and you were always next to people, because a combination of people's own mental fatigue, Mm. the... It definitely got quieter through the night. So people yeah. chatting in the day and then through the night, it could it mm. did start it could feel a bit lonely. It's a bit with this sort of race, the mindset is quite different, isn't it? To like road running and like maybe doing a marathon. Like just mentioned the wall is can be like a bit of a mindset thing that you need to like prepare yourself for. But I think the people that tend to do these sorts of races, it's a completely different kind of challenge isn't it in a way it's not about running your fastest you know people are like you know they want to do this then they want to do 100 miles they want to do 200 miles and Mm. it's about pushing yourself to the limit it's like mentally and physically and you know it's not just the physical training of it it's the kind of mindset training of it it is for some people and it isn't for others like I know you've had like a lot in the past where you know, probably when you start doing like longer races, people are just like, why do you want to do that? Why would you want to like put some people just can't get the head around why you would want to sort of they think it's like a put, torture run for 20 hours, a or torture more. sort mm. of thing. And that, I mean, I, I get it and I quite like it. And it's sort of, I don't know that and lots of other people obviously do because there's lots of people entering trail races and lots of people getting into ultras. So it's not kind of out that out there anymore, but it is definitely a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So it's definitely less about running. So, you know, I ended up finishing the race in 22 hours. So you're talking, I'm I'm, I'm covering like three miles an hour. You know, there's yeah. people who could, who are like into hiking, who would easily like hike that. And mm-hmm. fair, fair enough, there's, there was something like 18,000 feet of elevation. So it's, it's, it's taking the basics of running, but actually for much of it, I wasn't running. Mm. I was walking particularly mm. up the, and even some of the downs were so steep, particularly in the second half in the dark that they were, for me, they were unrunnable. You know, mm. I was, uh, my pace was no different coming down, down as it was going up. Yeah. You know, I was probably doing a mile in like 30 minutes. So you go, end up rolling down the hill. If you yeah. Try and I mean, go too fast, yeah, some you people know? enjoy that, but not, yeah. not for me. I'm too scared of getting injured, but it, it is the mindset. I suppose I, for me, it's probably a couple of things things one it's about you seeing how far can you push yourself so how will I keep going through 20 hours through the night on my own carrying my own stuff going up and down you know mountain passes and it and it taking hours to cover the distance and knowing I've got one more climb to do how will I feel and I think the other I quite like the way I find over that long period of time your worries and fears ebb away and all you're left with is a feeling of like fatigue and sort of a bit of an emptiness but that for me that kind of it get you get to a, like a raw emotional state well, it's so kind you of true back to basics sort of yeah isn't it? back you to know, basics which so people are sort of looking for, for in, in like yeah, this society um, aren't they like yeah, there's phones think, and stuff people, i think so it's kind of like, that's what appeals to people being on their own in the well on foot traveling long distance on foot mm. you know with only you obviously the other people doing the event and kind of in in nature and it I don't know I find it gives me a sense of sort of like being alive in a different way to yeah. the rest of the time and I quite I find it sort of addictive almost you yeah. know mm-hmm. um that that state and I suppose it isn't dissimilar to doing a marathon I would say in some ways mm. I suppose particularly if you're doing a marathon 
for a target time, you're, the fatigue levels like are really high, aren't they? Particularly yeah. by the end, and your emotions are pretty like raw as well, aren't yeah. they? By the end, and you're just mm. ready to like finish, and it's sort of, and then you see people you love at the end, and and it's kind of a, a really nice feeling. It is a bit similar to that, but yeah, like would highly recommend ultra running to anyone who's not tried it. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So so. So yeah, so I managed to overcome my downtimes and then got to like the last, probably the last checkpoint. It was four in the morning. I messaged you, didn't I? Said I think I'm going to be about another four hours. So I was a bit over my my target time. I was and I was working that out based on how quick I'd been moving. And then, and then a kind of weird thing happened. I got up the last climb and then the sun came up and it and then suddenly like a combination of you know you're in touching distance. I know it was only a couple of hours from the end. You know, six seven miles from the end. The sun comes up. It's a new day. You're kind of realizing you're gonna you're gonna do it. You know mm. you're gonna you're gonna finish. You're gonna achieve your goal. Your sort of mindset again. You know you've gone through the ups and the downs, literally and metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically and mentally. Mm. And then you kind of like into that positive state of right. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to the finish, and it's a beautiful finish because the last probably the last three or four miles is basically a downhill runnable trail. And I, I felt great. So I had enough in the tank. I'd revived myself. And then I was able to start running at, you know, probably then I covered the last few miles in. I was like 10 minute mile pace or something. Yeah. So um, so that feeling of, and then you run into the town, the last half a mile through the town and there's loads of people clapping. Even it was about eight in the morning. Yeah. But there's people out, just a combination of people watching the race, but then people just going about there going to do the boulangerie uh, (laughs) you know to get the breakfast and stuff people in cafes and it was was brilliant and then I met you all uh, at at the the finish finish, yeah yeah. and uh, Sean as well uh, your brother and and, and Nicola uh, his wife were there as well so it's great to see them which was really nice and then they, they give you a beer at the finish if you mm, want one. So that yeah. was nice. So I downed a beer at like mm. 20 past eight in the morning, had some pictures. Yeah. And then it and then it's kind of that great feeling of like you've achieved what you want to do yeah. personally. And then, and then we were able to then watch the UTMB, the full race, the elite kind of feel mm. were finishing a bit later that day, weren't they? So we were able to watch that. Yeah, so they started on... You started on Friday morning, they, they started, started Friday, Friday evening night. at yeah. six, so we went out and watched them start, but it was, I kind of, I knew it was going to be, you know, big, but I misjudged how many people were going to be out there, so we didn't see a lot, because it was absolutely, like, rammed in Chamonix for people watching the start. That was, it was good though, really good to see everyone set off just going back to kind of the race in previous races that you've done we've come and we've supported you and Sean has as we discussed about the hard moors but for this one you can do that can't you so if you were thinking of going and you wanted to pick support crew they can meet you at a few you can and they do like a bus service that takes you out but it's Just, complicated. Yeah, isn't it? with having like three children with us, we tried to work out a way we, we could do it. And I mean they're pretty you know, they're they're like they're it. Right, they're like anything, they're yeah. like a high five with some runners at yeah. various events, don't they, and things like that and giving out sweets. But it was gonna take sort of hours to get to various points to and see then, me for like ten minutes yeah, and, and then, then a few to, hours. Then to get the back. bus back and then yeah. like you might miss so we made that yeah. decision that you would just come to the, you would stay in Chamonix yeah. and you would come to the finish. Yeah, so so that's what I did. But if if you were thinking about doing you can, it, you can have a crew that meets yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So brilliant event, and then yeah, like we say, so the full. So I'd I'd finished the actual race. I did was it was one. So it took me twenty two hours. Uh, it was won in just over 10 hours uh, by British uh, a guy, British runner, it? Jonathan yeah. Albon. So, so that was incredible. And then the full UTMB, the 100-mile race, within 24 hours, we were under 24 hours, weren't they? So they set off in well, Friday, you, yeah. at Friday at 6, and they were yeah. finishing at, like, the men was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. or something, so 20, yeah, so Jim so 20 Wormsley hours or a bit less than that. Won it, and we kind of Jim Wormsley, went to yeah, see we him, saw finished, him and, didn't we? Yeah, yeah which was really nice, and he was high-fiving people, well, and yeah. it was a brilliant atmosphere. Everyone yeah. was cheering him. And I don't think he'd ever... He'd, he'd had lots it. of try. Yeah. He, he dropped out. He, I think he'd been runner-up. He'd, like, had event UTMBs where he'd been at the mm. front and then was unable to finish. So it was a real, like, party atmosphere, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then Courtney DeWalter, she... Yeah. She, she was amazing as well. Yeah. So we, 
I think just me and Jessie saw yeah, her finish. Yeah. So yeah, you guys did, were yeah. eating burgers and drinking beer, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, we that, were. At that, well, by the not, time... just not the children <laughs> yeah. weren't drinking the beer. That was just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was fantastic. And yeah, so just a really, really brilliant event to do for sure. Yeah, so we were, I think Killian and Journey were supposed to be running this year mm. but I think he had an injury or something he's but won he's, it a few times he's won it lots of times I think a British lady Lizzie Hawker she's won it lots of times in the past um, I think a few years ago now there's lots of famous trail runners that have, have won it over the yeah. years haven't they so yeah, so yeah it's quite a popular race and it was really nice to be there wasn't it just it was to amazing. witness it really yeah it was amazing so highly recommended trail running ultras in general specifically this event if it's something you want to try out go for it we've probably said all we can on that topic today yeah so if there's anything that people are interested in to learn more about like specifically about ultras because there's quite a lot of different mm. lots of different elements yeah. to it, it? Yeah, traveling there, are, there yeah costs equipment crew crew yeah yeah, and all that sort of stuff we can always do more just let us know so i almost forgot to mention the uh, football match this was the hillsborough rivlin running club football match uh, played earlier this week on wednesday evening it was supposed to be a match against another local running club steel city striders but they couldn't get a team together so it just ended up being an internal club match and it was um hrrc sheffield so people who were kind of Born and bred in Sheffield versus people who run for the running club from outside the city. Um, so we managed to get a seven-a-side game. So I was part of the Sheffield team and we were up against the HRLC rest of the world, which had players from places as far away as Oldham uh, all the way through to Wales. So um, a, a varied team and it was a really enjoyable game. It was a game of kind of two halves, both which were won comfortably by the HRRC Sheffield team. So I think we managed to win about 10-2 in the end and uh, play some lovely football. And uh, so it was really enjoyable, played in a really good spirit. The rest of the world team had some really, really fast runners. But as Tom on our team put it in the pub afterwards... You need to be able to kick a ball as well as, as from fast. So, so yeah, fantastic game, and no doubt will rivalries will be renewed in another year's time, and we'll have another match. So, thoroughly enjoyable uh, way to end the year with the running club, and big thanks to uh, Andy for organising it all. So it's a bit of a long one today, bit, but it's a Christmas special. Yeah. So just to wish everyone a very happy Christmas, and I hope you have a lovely break. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting us through our first few months and we'll be yeah we'll be back with another episode next week i think we're going to talk about coaching aren't we yeah so al yeah was interested. al was interested in that so we i think it's something we, we've mentioned a bit before but we want to talk a little bit in yeah, more detail the so benefits like, or, or yeah, not of coaching um, and i think we're also going to talk about as well related to that how you might schedule the year ahead yeah of races and structured training wrapped around those races so i think that'll be the focus for next week's episode and as ever running partners at outlook if you've got any suggestions for topics or any feedback you want to give or any race results or anything you want to mention and also you can always connect with us on Instagram, Strava, uh, Facebook which is great and lots of you have done that and also thank you to everyone who continues to promote this show to their friends and across running communities all around the world we appreciate it and it'll help get more people to listen Thanks very much and have a lovely Christmas Have a lovely Christmas and see you soon Bye, Bye. Thanks for listening to Running Partners. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a rating or review, tell your friends and help us build the Running Partners community. You can email us at runningpartners@outlook.com with any comments, questions, feedback or topics you want us to discuss on future episodes. You can find us on Instagram at 26.2 and Gris Running and we're also on Strava and all the links are in the show notes. See you soon for the next episode of Running Partners.